confronted with them. And weaknesses, she seemed to be more weak and pathetic the deeper she went to prayer. She told this to a spiritual director, and the spiritual director said, well, stop praying. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> and, and, you know, because if you pray too much, you know, you start getting weird. So don't pray. Just kind of stay like a normal Christian and do the stuff you're supposed to do, but don't go too deep into intimacy with Jesus. You know, there's something wrong with your prayer. I mean, he didn't say don't go too deep in intimacy with Jesus, but that was the net effect of what he was saying, right? You know, um, they called that at that time, they called that, uh, that kind of prayer uh, in uh, mental prayer or contemplative prayer. It's a heart-to-heart -heart prayer where your heart is vulnerable to the heart of Jesus. And Jesus makes his heart vulnerable to you. And in that kind of prayer, it's a very silent prayer. The words of sacred scripture lead you there. And just like happened in our prayer, praise, as you were praising, didn't you find there were certain moments where all of a sudden there were no more words for you and you just needed to rest in his love and in his presence? That awareness of Jesus' presence, Teresa Babel calls that, uh, that's what we call mystical wisdom or spiritual wisdom. Uh, sometimes it's even called spiritual theology, or, but that not the kind you study. It's, it's a wisdom of heart that you can only have because the Lord is present to you and manifesting himself to you. And sometimes his presence is a beautiful, beautiful presence. It's very consoling. It gives you inner strength and resolve and confidence. Other times it's a very challenging presence where you see your weaknesses. And this is what was happening to her. So she stopped praying. Uh, her dad died. Her dad um, uh, followed all, everybody was going to her to learn how to pray even though she wasn't praying. And, uh, and her dad followed her every counsel. And actually, when he died, died a very holy man in love with Jesus. And Teresa was able to be at his side when he died. And she saw what Jesus did in him, and it convicted her in her heart. She was walking to choir to sing the songs. And uh, to, they sing them like you do, together in a community. But they don't got the cool music. It's just voices. <laughs> and, uh, and as she was walking up the stairs, there was a little statue of Jesus called the Ece Womo. It's a statue of Jesus crowned with thorns, uh, his body completely lacerated from the scourging, and uh, in a, uh, a purple cape around his shoulders. And it's Ece Womo, behold the man. It's what Pilate said just before they, they started chanting, crucify him. She said, I walked up, I saw that statue. And all of a sudden, it wasn't a statue. It was Jesus looking at me with love. Mm -hmm. Me, who had been so cold to him. And he was scourged for my sins. Mm -hmm. And she, she fell on the floor, and she began to weep. She said, Jesus, I never want to get back up again until you give me the grace never to backslide. I never want to backslide again for the rest of my life. Eventually, he must have given her the gift because she did get up. Uh, <laughs> but that moment of prayer where you weep, that's a powerful, important moment in 
where the love of Jesus pierces your heart. She, um, she still struggled with the same thing, though. As she got closer to Jesus, the more her imperfections came out. And she talked to a variety of different spiritual directors. I can't give you the whole story, but I can tell you this much. Finally, one of the spiritual directors told her, he, he said, he said, you know what your problem is? You believe, you believe in your own sinfulness more than you believe in the love of God. You need to go back into prayer and make a um, make an act of uh, praise, an act of worship, and entrust yourself totally to the Lord. And to help you do this, I I I, I encourage you while you're praying just to start singing this song. Now, I, I she's singing the Latin version, which is very beautiful, but the song she's singing we have an English and a simplified version. Come, Holy Ghost, Creator, bless, and in our hearts take up thy rest, and with thy grace and heavenly love come fill our hearts, come bring us above. Come fill our hearts, O Lord of love. So you, you know the song, basically, right? And it has all these verses. It was actually, I think, first written by St. Ambrose 1,700 years ago. And uh, so last Sunday, Sunday of, of Pentecost, the descent of the Holy Spirit, she sang the song. And as she sang the song, all of a sudden her whole being, she said, I was caught up in prayer. And I was aware of nothing but him. And as I became aware of nothing but him, all the evil attachments that I had, all the pride, all of a sudden I got freedom. And I realized that I did not need uh, to be afraid of what Jesus was doing for me. I could trust in him. That was the beginning of her conversion. Uh, she was converted, but it was the beginning of her conversion. You know, uh, uh, if you start thinking it like that, well, when did I have my conversion? Because you'll notice there are different ages where you, you get to that rut, and then he wants to take you by that. Well, let's skip ahead. She eventually writes a, a several wonderful books. But two, I just want to mention to you that has she grew in this mystical wisdom, this awareness of Jesus' presence in her, the power of the Holy Spirit in her, she became aware that it had different degrees to it. And in the early degrees, what she describes are degrees where it, it takes a lot of our own effort. And so, and so think about this. When you first became a believer, when you first started praying, you had to work hard to memorize the Psalms. You know, they didn't just come to you. You, you know, first time you read uh, the psalm, you know, um, I, 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 unless you were especially blessed, at least for me, my first several years of reading psalms, none of them spoke to me. You know, um, uh, let's see. Uh, 
Come, let us worship the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saved us. Let's approach him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. For the Lord is God, the mighty God, the great king over all the gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the highest mountains as well. He made the sea, it belongs to him, and the dry land too, for it was formed by his hand. Uh, when I pray these words now, so many years after praying these words, those words mean something to me. But the first time I prayed them, it was, I, I found it to be the most dry, tedious prayer I ever had. <laughs> I had to learn to pray, and, it, and I had to go through a path, pathway where it was tedious for a little while. Jesus walked with me in what was tedious. And so this kind of prayer where you're just learning, this, the, this is like the first, Jesus is present to you, but his presence to you it, uh, is hidden in the tedium of prayer. You know, learning to think about the gospel, learning the scriptures. Um, uh, uh, that's a really hard point. That kind of prayer we call it meditation. That gives way to some of what we experience during our praise today, where there's moments of deeper silence. And the deeper silence can be of two kinds. One kind of deep silence is kind of something that, that's natural that I think even other religions do, to tell you the truth. We have this kind of silence where your spirit is at rest, uh, and there's some kind of awareness of the presence of God. And it's natural, though. And, and because we're naturally religious beings, and so God likes to perfect our nature, and so the first thing he's going to do is try to heal things so that we can have the natural virtues of knowing his presence, and, and I think other religions sometimes get something of that. They don't have freedom from sin the way we do, but God maybe works mysteriously for them. But then, that natural place, and, and this is where, well, it, if you go to retreat centers, you'll find all kinds of techniques that they offer for prayer. Um, there's centering prayer, and there's um, uh, uh, mindfulness, and some mindfulness I actually read is, is okay because they don't emphasize the technique. But whenever you see prayer techniques being emphasized about the way you should breathe and, and, and uh, you know the times you should pray and how you should think or not think and all that, all of those techniques, well, all the, a technique, no matter how wonderful it is, can only uh, dispose your humanity to something God wants to do. If it's a good technique, a bad technique, will make you rooted more in pride. So that's why techniques, you have to be very, you can be very good at a technique and not, and not know the Lord. Right? And I've seen that a lot. The first stage of prayer then isn't to master a technique or to master how to pray the songs. First stage of prayer is to dispose ourselves to something Jesus wants to do. And the first thing he does is he leads you into this kind of natural science, silence. But then there's a deeper silence. A silence that we cannot produce on our own, that only Jesus can produce. And that, that silence, she calls it a prayer of quiet. And one moment of that silence can transform you more than hours and years of this tedious hard work that you've been doing. In fact, you begin to see very quickly all the tedious hard work was just to prepare you for that single moment. But in her teaching, she says, this moment is only the beginning. Because in this moment, there's a little spark. 
fire. In the beginning, the fire is just for a moment and it goes out. But when that spark ignites, it, it's a touch of the light and warmth of Jesus. And the, why is it just a spark in the beginning? Because it's all you can handle. You can't handle more love than that. You'll explode. So he just gives you what you can handle. But as you become accustomed to the spark, the spark becomes a fire of love in you, like a candlelight. And then the, that candlelight becomes a bonfire. God's love burns in you so much you can't hold it in anymore. Here's the thing that she discovered about her. People always criticize people of prayer. You should be out doing great things and doing this. You shouldn't waste all that time, you know, just reading the scriptures and being silent. You, you should go out and do good things. That's what our faith is all about, they tell you. When someone is on fire with the love of God, they can't stop themselves from doing good things. But when somebody does not have that fire, no matter how good, many good things they do, it's strong. Mm -hmm. We pray not to escape from the world or escape from the great things that God has in store for us to do, whatever it might be. Each of us has a sacred purpose. We pray because in order to discover that sacred purpose, we need to let him unleash his fire in our hearts. It's that fire that helps us go on this journey of discipleship to this place where Jesus is, to this wine cellar, to this glory. John the Cross, uh, uh, I've run out of time, so John the Cross, uh, just by way of conclusion, he wrote, a, he wrote a poem called Living Flame of Love. And the Living Flame of Love uh, is his most beautiful of all his poetry. He, uh, he wrote it in a very short period of time. It exploded out of his heart. In stanza four, it's only four stanzas, in the fourth stanza, in, he, he writes a commentary. And in the fourth stanza, the fourth paragraph of the fourth stanza of his commentary, he describes where this contemplative prayer that begins with a spark, where it goes. How, when you go deep into the wine cellar, what happens to your prayer? He says, this prayer the word moves in the substance of your soul. What is the substance of your soul? The substance of your soul is where the love of God is bringing you into existence right now. That's the substance of your soul. Your soul doesn't have dimensions. It's not a physical thing. But there, that there is this being summoned into existence by the love of the Father. And that's where we want to be. We want to be where the Father is unleashing his love. And so your prayer can take you right there. In, he says, in the substance of your soul, the word of the Father, Jesus, the Jesus has been sent. The Father sends the, the Son into the depths of your soul. And when he's there, 
in the substance, in love, he moves. The word moves in your heart. Uh, the movement of the word, the spirit is movement, the movement of God. And so the word moves in the power of the Holy Spirit in the substance of your heart. For those of you who are mothers, think about the first time you felt the baby kicking your womb. Something that's different to me. John the Cross describes, the word moves in the substance of your soul and it's as if all of a sudden you smell all the most beautiful smells that you've ever smelled all at once and hear all the most beautiful harmonies all at once. And it floods your being and, 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 and overcomes you with beauty. And as you're overcome with beauty, the joy of beauty, the sorrow of beauty, you can think even of the terror of beauty. Because when you see something truly beautiful, it makes a call on your existence, and you can never go back to the way you were before. And all of this happens all at once. And as that is happening in you, Jesus, through you, is bringing into harmony everything in his creation. Through you, Jesus is aligning uh, all of his works in heaven above and the earth below and under the earth. They are all being redirected by him to the glory of the Father. Through you. So that through you, because you spent time in prayer and you let Jesus move in the substance of your soul, Every knee will bend and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. Great is the, great is the mystery of our, our religion, of our piety. It is truly great. Because you spend time entering into the presence of the Lord, the Lord is remaking the heavens and the earth. He transforms you, but through you is doing something, a new creation, something the world has never seen before, something the world could have never guessed. We have every reason to hope in Jesus because he hopes in us So that's what I wanted to share with you is kind of like the foundational principle. It's, it's Jesus wants to take us to this place of prayer, transforming prayer, because he wants to remove the whole world through us. And it's not accidental, and it's not for some and not for others. It's for all of us together. So with that, did you, do we have moments for questions? I don't want to keep you and you need to go, but I'm sure people have questions, but how come? What's your schedule? It's like 10 after 11. Are you doing okay with time? How about if 10, is 10 minutes okay? We can start with that. 10 so. minutes would be awesome. Okay. Giselle, um, do you want to start with your question? Because she sent a question to me, I thought it was excellent. And then if other questions are coming to your mind, or maybe you've come prepared with a question in your heart, 
circumstances that Jesus is going to permit in your life and when you first see them they will be so difficult and hard and overwhelming you'll think how can this be for Jesus from Jesus that Jesus has permitted this terrible overwhelming sorrow because he wants to lead you to this place to this deepest highest mansion this fire blood there are other things that will happen to you interiorly. And they're even worse than the exterior things. You see, as you grow closer to Jesus, the most precious thing in the world is his presence. And Jesus sometimes leads us in prayer to places where he doesn't feel present at all. Where it feels like we've, he's abandoned us or that we've done something to offend him. We don't understand it. We don't understand why he's so far away. But he's always with us. And he's leading you through that dark valley because he wants to lead you to this deepest place of intimacy, this wine cellar. And so the hard part there is to have a brother and sister in your life who will remind you to be confident in the love of Christ Jesus even when you feel he's abandoned you or you've done something to offend him. His love is greater than that. You need someone to tell you that. Souls that grow deeper into union, they're not less vulnerable, they're more vulnerable. They don't need friends less, they need friends more. The other, so those are, both what I gave you are things that happen to you. Uh, there are other things that you can do. <laughs> and in some of those things you've already you're already doing. Being part of this fellowship. Um, Saint Benedict talks about is the biggest obstacle in the spiritual life is laziness. You know, we don't want to do the work of God because we want to sleep or, or rest or whatever it is that you pick what you want to do. And you have to act against that. So St. Ignatius of Loyola says, it act against our tendencies, you know. Uh, so that's, 
that, and these are the things that you are already doing. There's something more that John of the Cross invites us to, and, and I propose this, uh, uh, this uh, many Christians have a hard time with this, and so uh, just pray about it. And that is, in addition to saying no to bad things like sin, and doing good things like coming to church or making dinner for your family, whatever it is to overcome your laziness. Um, there are also some very good things in your life that you can freely choose to say no to. Not because they're bad in themselves, but because you want to make, you want to make space for Jesus to do something beautiful. So, um, you know, one of the things I do for, I advocate at the seminary is I advocate very strongly that men need to go on a media fast when if they want to prepare for me. So they have no TV, no cell phone, no computer, and deprive yourself for a little while. And at first it's terrible because you, you you keep on going for your cell phone, you know, you know and, and you're anxious because there must be something going on that I'm not doing. <laughs> you know, but after a while, you notice there's a deeper peace. And it's not that cell phones or computers or any of those things are bad. It's just that they're a good thing that you can renounce that makes space for something Jesus wants to do. Sometimes... Um, and so those are the easier things or things that you give up, you know. Uh, the harder things are um, a little deeper than that. <laughs> we like to be thought well of. And uh, John of the Cross says you should, you should foster in your desire, in, in your heart, the desire that everyone think ill of you. <laughs> You should do this out of love for Jesus because everyone despised Jesus. When he was crucified, his closest friend denied him, one of his followers betrayed him, and nine others abandoned him. Only one stood at the cross. Jesus, he said, in fact, in order to do this, follow this counsel well, you need to study the life of Jesus. And as you study his life, you will see that Jesus never did anything that was not for the glory of the Father. Everything he did was for the glory of the Father. And so we need to re resolve it to do the same thing, to have the freedom to only act for the glory of the Father. Which means then, that good things that are not for the glory of the Father in my life, I need to have the freedom to let go of. And so if I could give you this, this story, this, the story I tell the men, and you're starting to be pleased. I was once a Dominican novice, and I wanted to be, they, you could do apostolates, and I wanted to be a street preacher. I wanted to be out there, you know, street preaching. And that, that I thought this would be a really great thing to do get downtown and, you know, preach. And, and, and other novices got to do that. And, and, you know, so I wanted to do what they were going to do. My novice master said, no, I need you to go work with the mentally and physically handicapped this, this, at this house for orphans who are mentally and physically handicapped. 
and I that was so far beneath me. How could they possibly know? <laughs> what a waste of my gifts. <laughs> so I get there, and, I, and there's this little kid named Jeremy. And Jer Jeremy is covered with snot and poop. <laughs> and nobody wants to touch him, because when you reach out and try to hold him and change his diaper, he bites you. <laughs> so all the workers in the place, nobody, they all abandoned Jeremy. And I thought, I'm going to make Jeremy my friend. It was a grace. In fact, I was studying this very teaching. And I thought, I want to try this out as an experiment. I'm going to totally act against what's comfortable and, and convenient. And I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to love Jeremy. And so I uh, wiped Jeremy's face and backside, changed his diaper, got bit. Uh, God laughing tickled him, you know, and and, and he it got uh, after a few weeks he would run to me, you know, and we would just have the best time in the world, and um, and then the other workers began to get jealous, and at a certain stage I never got to see Jeremy again because all the other workers were taking care of him. They wouldn't let me take care of him because they were having so much fun. This, this kind of only doing things for the glory of God, the Father, St. John the Cross said, where there is no love, put love, and you will find love. And, and this, when we live like this, it makes space for the Lord to lead us into a deeper silence. You know, we're not earning anything, we don't really accomplish anything at all, because only He can lead us there. But you can put yourself in a place where you're ready for him to lead you there, where you're ready to be obedient to him. And that's what his, his counsels are ordered towards. So that's in Ascent to Mount Carmel, Book 1, Chapter 13. And I know that Thomas Dubay actually writes about this, because it's, it's one of the most dramatic passages in St. John of the Cross of all of them. Maybe one more question. One more question. Mm -hmm. Somebody came with one from their heart. Or maybe they're just getting one. Um, I feel like maybe I should email you. <laughs> 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 somebody else had a question. Please. I, I, don't oh, have, I don't have a question, but I just want to say thank you for the mm -hmm. image of the wine cell. Mm -hmm. that, that was somewhat new to me, what, how you described that. And I just pictured Jesus taking me down there, and he's already said many promises to me, and he just said yes. You know, mm -hmm. it was just, it's just beautiful. I, I'm inspired to explore that more. And I don't know, just turning the water into wine, that miracle, I've contemplated that quite a bit, and it leads me to the wedding supper of the Lamb. But it hadn't ever led me to the wine cellar. And mm -hmm. so I want to go to Song of Solomon. And I, they thank you for taking me deeper. It's mm -hmm. a, a beautiful thing. Thank you. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't want to try just one? Okay. <laughs> Basically, can you break it down the carrying of your cross so that like a teenager would understand? Mm -hmm. the day, what is what does it look like daily? Mm -hmm. 
concrete example about, you know, because the more concrete this is, the better it kind of works. Mm -hmm. um, I was watching my favorite television show, Columbo. <laughs> one of my uh, one of my kids came in and wanted to talk to me, but I was right at the place where Colombo is about to solve the crime. <laughs> but my son really needed to talk to me. And so the renouncing myself was turning off a TV set. And the taking up of my cross was even though I was tired, I was exhausted, I just wanted to go to bed. There was nothing left in me. Turning my full attention and giving my son what little I had left, giving it all to him. Mm -hmm. And letting him share what he had to say. It wasn't all that important. I wish I could say it was. <laughs> but it, he, he needed to talk to somebody, and, and it needed to be now. And so I needed to deny myself and follow the pathway of the Lord. And, um, and in that, there was a death, you know, a, a kind of death. I wanted to have a comfortable evening where I could relax and unwind. But the Lord didn't want me to relax and unwind. The Lord wanted me to love him through listening to my son. Every Christian has that moment. Mm -hmm. That's where God works with power. You know, we also have the moments where, you know, get away from here, I'm watching, give me five more minutes with Colombo. You know, we have those moments too, that happens. And, and, uh, but that's not what Jesus gave us, a different grace. We might say no to the grace. And, and the other thing that I would say, just help this a little bit more, is that we don't look at it this way. We tend to look at renouncing and picking up a cross as something that we do for Jesus, but it's not really that. So the other dimension to it would be this. If the opportunity to renounce ourselves is actually a gift from God to us. And, um, and if we say no to renouncing ourselves in this situation right now, it's not, Jesus loves us so much, Father loves us. He's going to give you an opportunity to renounce him again later in some other way, right? But the grace you have that he's giving you right now to renounce yourself is unique in the whole world, and you will never have that grace again. You get another grace tomorrow, but this grace is unique because he never acts the same way twice. And if you say yes to this grace, it's going to open up a whole array of other graces for you to receive that you could have never received unless you received this one. And the other graces will lead to other graces. And the more we say yes, it's like dots. Each yes is a dot. And when the dots all are aligned to God's will, it, it's, a, it's a line that goes somewhere. 
we're making progress. So, um, so, th so those, uh, uh, that second part about the giftedness of renouncing ourselves and embracing our cross, um, probably I should have started with that one, but <laughs> Colombo came first. <laughs> Can you get some of these <laughs> Jesus, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, for sending him to dwell in us as in a temple. He is the fire that never goes out. Let that fire burn brighter in us now today. Let it burn with greater warmth so that those who are cold might feel your love. Those who have lost their way might find their path. We pray for those we love who are far from you. And we remember we were once far from you. Hold them to your heart just as you pulled us to your heart. Let us know your will. Give us the grace to follow it in everything we have. For your glory, 